Hello and welcome to Locked On Flames. Coming up today, Connor Hellebuck looked good in the Jets exhibition game last night. So what are the Flames' chances if Hellebuck looks good all playoffs? Plus, who are the legit cup contenders after four months off? I'm Jess Belmosto alongside Sean Lavery. Please be sure to subscribe and follow Locked On Flames for free wherever you get your podcasts. You'll get the latest episodes of this podcast as soon as they come out each day. Sean, how are you doing today? I'm doing okay, Jess. Hurt my back Mm. at work today, and I know you kind of bonked your head on your end, so hopefully the only injuries (laughs) Flames-related this spring, or I guess this summer, would be uh, from a couple of podcast (laughs) hosts, not actual players. So fingers crossed, but we're doing well. We're hanging in there. Playing hurt, I guess you could say, although compared to what (laughs) hockey players do, this is nothing. So I know. This seems like so... uh minuscule compared yes. to the nonsense that they somehow sometimes play through. But last night, the Jets defeated the Canucks 4-1. to one. Right. Hellebuck made 37 saves. Um, that's impressive, to yeah. say the least. I guess four months off, he didn't – maybe he didn't have four months off. Maybe he spent his whole quarantine stopping pucks somewhere. So <laughs> um, that's what it looked like, at least. And, yeah. you know, he looked good. And it plants that seed. Like, we talked a lot with Harrison earlier this week. Like, well, what do we think? Is Connor Hellebuck actually going to look good or not after four months off? And, you know, at least through one exhibition game, we have an answer that he's probably going to look really good. So – I mean, I don't know if, if this is what the Flames are going to be going up against, you know, how much is it going to take from Calgary to actually squeak one out, squeak, I guess, three wins out? Yeah, I think it'll be interesting because obviously in a, well, in an exhibition, the teams might not be going as hard as they could during a five game series because number one, who wants to risk any sort of injury or you know, potential downfalls and mm-hmm. things like that. So maybe I don't like, you can't even say Hellebuck got lucky because he clearly did an outstanding job, but maybe Vancouver just wasn't going as hard as the flames will. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I still cut uh, the number 37 to me. Yeah. You know, it's not like he had one goal against on, on 13 shots or anything like that. Like yeah. he may, he stopped 37 out of 38. So um, I guess the first thing I thought of when I saw that was, well, I guess the first thing would technically be, oh, crap, he's actually going to be good. And yep. then the second thought was, well, then how good do Riddick or Talbot or Riddick and Talbot have to be uh, if the Flames are going to win? I kind of I'm of the opinion that Riddick and Talbot have to be very good to win mm-hmm. for the Flames to win a, the series. Um, I think if Riddick and Talbot are average and when I think of average in the NHL I guess an average goals against would be around two or maybe three so yeah. let's say the Flames and Riddick and Talbot are giving up uh, two or three goals against the game that means Calgary's going to have to put up potentially three or four against Hellebuck um, which if he's playing like he did against Vancouver will be very hard to do three times in five games so um, average from Riddick and Talbot if Hellebuck's on his game is not going to be good enough the yeah. The defense and slash and or goaltending is going to have to be, you know, on point from the flame side of things. And, you know, it's going to highlight, again, under the assumption Hellebuck plays well, it's going to highlight the need for guys like Goudreau and Monaghan to not be slumping. Because when you need, you know, three, two or two or more, I guess, goals against the Vesna candidate, you're going to need your big guys to actually contribute um, a lot. So it's nice to get contributions from the depth guys, obviously. But um, when you need that much against a guy that good, it's your, your big guys are going to have to chip in from a flame standpoint. 
Absolutely. I think that if Hellebuck is playing as well as he did last night and before the pause, um, it's going to have to be an all-around effort. It can't just be, like you said, the depth guys. The top six are really going to need to step it up, and defense is going to have to play, you know, defensively on Talbot and Riddick's end because, like, we can't risk, and they, well, I mean, they can't risk um, allowing a silly goal and a deflection and, you know, they can't have bad puck luck, essentially. Right. And one of the things I was, like, thinking about, and we talked about it with Harrison a bit as well earlier in the week, was, you know, the Jets' defense isn't too hot, um, I guess, on on paper. Like, that lineup, mm-hmm. um, I guess, could be taken advantage of in a way. Um, so, Vancouver putting up 38 shots against, like, that's a decent amount of shots. So, you know, that kind of goes to the point where the Jets' defense isn't that good. But, I mean, this is what I'm worried about for from Calgary's point of view is that if the Jets' defense isn't that good and you take advantage of it by putting up, you know, more than 35 shots against, you know, you could run into this situation where Hellebuck's going to stop all but one of them. And <laughs> you could, you know, we could have a couple Jeff Ward quotes where he's like, we played well, but we just ran into a hot goalie. I wouldn't be surprised if he said something to that effect at all yeah. uh, in a post-game interview, which I think – it would be so frustrating for Calgary to lose a series that way where, you know, they can take advantage of a weak Jets defense, but run into a hot goalie because, you know, their plus, you know, especially last year, their playoff performance was embarrassing, but <laughs> if they lost in a way where, you know, they, they put up shots and, and made it hard, um, it would, I would just be really deflated. You know, I'd be like, well, yeah, it even when they, when they good. do well, they still don't win. Right. So it's I hope that's very, not the road we go down. I really hope not because I think, Flames fans are feeling, you know, they're still butthurt after last year's loss against Colorado. And then to have Gaudreau have such a significant drop-off from 99 points to I think it was 59 or 58 mm-hmm. is just that's, you know, that's worrisome to say the least. And then, you know, I think that people are really – expecting more out of the flames which they 200 percent should yeah and like the flames have been talking a lot and it's been a lot of kachuk and lucic especially but the whole team in general has been talking a lot about last couple years of playoff performances Mm -hmm. not being good enough and kind of how hungry they are to you know redeem themselves this year um which is great like those those are obviously things you want to hear if you're in this position but it's it's been so long of talking about it uh you know kind of before the season started, we were talking about, you know, what the season means. And then during the season, you know, we're just waiting for playoffs so that the Flames can prove themselves. And then now <laughs> we're here and it's just that, you know, we're so close but so far kind of thing where this whole week has been talk about redeeming yourself. But, you know, Saturday's going to be their chance to actually do it. So they're saying Absolutely. the right things. Now we just need them to, to you know, do the right things on the ice. Um, yeah. It's it's Thursday, Jess. Thursday night for you and I at the time of recording here. We yeah. still have no idea who's going to be starting game one, which I guess is status quo for this podcast thus far. <laughs> do you think we'll find out, you know, maybe I guess Friday or, or early Saturday morning? Or is this going to be a situation where we have no idea who starts until, I guess, maybe pregame warmups or, or, you know, just hours before puck drop? You know, I wrote about this today for um, Fan Sided, and I was thinking that Jeff Ward is playing his cards close to his chest. Number one reason, I think he well, obviously I think he knows. I think that he doesn't want to say anything um, because 
you know, I mean, these guys have a lot of time on their hands and they will probably be cruising social media and they'll probably search their name and, you know, they might get in their head a little bit when they see flames fan one, two, three on Twitter complaining and calling Riddick soft or saying Talbot isn't good enough to start. So maybe it's for their sake, but I don't know. hmm. I I feel like at at this rate, obviously we're not going to find out till, you know, a couple hours before puck drop at the earliest, but um, I wonder if it's a situation too. And and we obviously have no idea and it's probably, Mm -hmm. you know, reckless to speculate on this, but I wonder if, if Jeff Ward has told the team, like if the actual team knows who's going to start or if the, actual goalie who's going to start knows that they're going to start. I would guess not at this point, but mm-hmm. um, I wonder too, I don't know if there's any situation or what's it called, you know, any advantage to this from a Flames perspective, but not having Winnipeg kind of build up to a guy. Like if Winnipeg yeah. knows that it's going to be Riddick and they can plan for that. I don't know how much planning you can technically do for a goalie. Like I'm sure there's always the thing where if a guy is, you know, weak on his glove side, maybe shoot there a little more, but just given the time off, I don't know how much that stuff matters. So, like I said, it's all kind of a wash at this point. But even with Mark Jankowski, like Jankowski was benched in the majority of the third period in the exhibition game. Yeah. And, you know, his future is kind of in doubt for for this series. Like, we don't know what he's going to do. And like you said, Jeff Ward is playing his cards close to his vest. And I think he even had a quote about that in the last day or two about, you know, not spilling the beans on what he's going to do with Jankowski and just kind of letting everything wait until Saturday. So I guess it's frustrating for you and I as people who are trying to produce content (laughs) from this team, but I guess for, for the team, it makes sense, obviously. Yeah. I mean, from a content perspective, it is very frustrating because I feel like every episode since you've joined the show has been who's starting. We haven't had, we haven't had an episode without it coming up. Exactly. So, I mean, I hope that that kind of becomes our brand and our listeners will eventually be like, huh, hey guys, you know who's starting? Or things like that. Just kind of, you know, poke fun at it. But you know what's going to happen too is the Flames are going to lose game one <laughs> and we're going to, we're going to start our first episode after actual hockey with who starts game two. And yeah. we're going to have no idea. It's going to be another 48 hour cycle of what we've been doing for the last two weeks. So, Hopefully we can we can put the goaltending conversation to rest just a little bit because coming up next, you and I are going to get into which facet of the Flames game, whether it be offense or defense, is more important to the actual result of the series. Um, plus, you and I are also going to rank our Stanley Cup contenders later in the episode. But first, Jess and I will tell you about our friends at Rock Auto. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years. Jess, I don't know about you, but my shopping habits have sure changed a lot in the last few months ever since this pandemic started. I've been doing a lot of online buying, and I never thought of buying car parts online, but with rockauto.com, it's so easy. I could just sit on my couch and order parts online uh, as if I was on Amazon. It's that easy. It's just a simple couple clicks, and boom, you're there. You and I are both recent car purchasers, and we both live in those winter climates where snow plays a big factor. Um, So I think we go through auto parts a little bit more faster than the average Joe. Oh, absolutely. You know, I think that it's getting close to the time where start looking at snow tires and replacing those windshield wipers. Mm -hmm. So you are ready for those cold, frigid mornings. And And best of all, Jess, rockauto.com, they price 
the exact same no matter who you are. So, you know, some stores, maybe the mechanics get a better deal than the public does. At rockauto.com, you always know you're getting the best deal, no matter if you're a do-it-yourselfer or a professional mechanic. So head over to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. No matter what the maker model is, they'll have something that can help you out. Right, locked on in the how did you hear about us section. That is locked on, two words. And write that so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Locked on Flames continues as we are one day closer to NHL playoff hockey being played. Don't forget to subscribe to our show's feed, uh, LO underscore Flames. All right. So we've talked about goaltending obviously being a huge part in the series against the Jets. But who needs to step up more? Is it the offense or the defense? You know, it's it's obviously the answer the correct answer objectively is both. You know, they <laughs> both need to play well um, for the Flames to have a chance at succeeding. You know, if if you want to make the case for the defense, it's because the defense has a huge impact on the Flames goaltending situation. And so if the defense is doing well, theoretically, the goalie has a lot better chance of doing well as well. Um, and with the goaltending being in so much question for Calgary, it's obviously a highlighted point. Um, so you want your defense to play well. On the other hand, though, if you want to make the case for the offense, you're, the, you're going up against Connor Hellebuck. And the defense is not going to score goals against Connor Hellebuck. So um, that's where your offense would be crucially important to the series. So like I said, the objective answer is both um but i personally think given the track record that the flames have of going cold offensively when the playoffs start if that happens in this series they have absolutely zero chance of winning you know if if their defense is cold you have a sliver of hope that you kind of get into a shootout where you're just playing you know five to six games like sorry the score is five to six Mm -hmm. like high scoring games you have a sliver of of hope that you know you end up in that high scoring affair and you can kind of just go punch for punch with the other team um but if your offense isn't doing well and you're putting up zero goals like you're not gonna beat Connor Hellebuck in the Jets that way so I guess like I said objectively it's both they both need to play well but if I wanted to pick one side I would go with the offense myself yeah I definitely think it it is going to come down to the offense because obviously you need to score goals to win <laughs> but especially against Connor Hellebuck, you really you, you can't rely on your defense there. So it'll be interesting. And I just I hope for everybody's sake that the top line just comes alive <laughs> within yeah. the first period of Saturday's yeah. game. It's one of it's like in baseball it, it matters a lot where getting that monkey off your back, quote unquote. Um that, you know, in baseball, that is brought up so much, especially with batting. And I think in hockey, like the sooner you can get it over with, the better, right? So yeah. if, if Monaghan can score with an assist from Goudreau or vice versa in the first period in game one, that would be like obviously a great situation where they just get that monkey off their back and they can get going and doing their thing. But, I mean, it's going to be tough. And it's a it's a tall task for the offense. Um, like I said, though, in the, in the previous segment, I think – you know, if, if you kind of make a layer out of defense and there's two layers of the actual team defense and the goaltending, I think getting through the first layer on Winnipeg's side with their defensive group, I think that's going to be, you know, not the hardest task in the world for Calgary, knock on wood, um, but it's going to be that second layer that's going to be super hard, obviously, in Connor Hellebuck, given what we've seen in one exhibition game where he 
he looks like he's that Vesna guy. So he's, mm-hmm. and he's the leader for that trophy individually right now. He's, he's likely going to be the winner. So, I mean, it's a tall task for sure. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Hellebuck runs away with the Vesna at this point. Uh, I mean, it's obviously based on the regular season. So mm-hmm. <laughs> just, just give it to him now, I guess. Sure. But, I mean, yeah, I well, mean the, Johnny Gaudreau can hand it to him in the exactly. uh, pregame handshakes before game <laughs> one. So, yeah, it's, uh, I just really think that it's going to, it is going to come down to the offense and you just hope and you sit there with your fingers crossed with your favorite flames shirt on that you've worn for the last five playoff appearances and your superstitions and all this, that you just hope that they just win game one and can use that as momentum to get going. Yeah. You know, and it, like I, I mentioned that, you know, the, the option of going into a slugfest with the Jets offensively where it's mm-hmm. a five, six game, that would be so awesome to see too, because both sides are, you know, their offensive groups are built for that in a way where mm-hmm. the, both teams are deep in their top six units up front. And it would be so fun just to see them trade back and forth. But um, the Flames defense, their blue line opposite of the Jets is a lot better. Um, so while the Jets have a really good goalie, the Flames have a really good defense. So unfortunately, I, I doubt it's going to be an offensive explosion in the playoffs. Um, but who knows what that, you know, the rust factor of four months off kicking in, that might contribute to an offensive slugfest, which I think would favor the Flames. So um, hopefully that's what we see. But with Hellebuck looking like the way he did, I'm not liking the chances of it. Definitely. And, you know, to kind of uh, flip the script, like, with a slugfest, we could have like a pitcher's duel, but instead of pitchers, it'll be the goalies just being lights out mm-hmm. and going crazy. Which is fun to see in its own way. If that if that mm-hmm. carries over the course of a, of a whole series, even though it's a best of five, you know, like that, there's some great things about watching playoff hockey where it's it's 2-1 and one nothing games and you're just watching two goalies stand on their head. You know, there's entertainment value in that for sure. But uh, in 2020, I think, what sells for the NHL is, is offense at this point. Um, speaking of offense, we're going to rank our top three Stanley Cup contenders. These teams probably all have lots of offense on their rosters. Locked on Flames with Jess Belmosto and Sean Lavery continues. A reminder to check out our episodes from earlier this week as we did a three-part crossover with Harrison Lee of Locked on Jets ahead of the play-in series between Calgary and Winnipeg. So we have spent a lot of time focusing on the Flames and Jets. We've had them under a microscope this whole week, really. But outside of, pun intended, uh, their bubble, mm-hmm. what teams nice. are actually, you know, legit Stanley Cup contenders? So I think it's fair to say neither Winnipeg nor Calgary would fall into the category of legit Stanley Cup contender, uh, at least going into these playoffs. Um, So this is kind of where it would be great to explore the other teams who are, I think, really great Stanley Cup contenders. Um, Let's do our top three, Jess. Jess, do you want to start us off with number three on your list? Yeah, you know, I went with the Oilers uh, just because I think that they have it in them. I, You know, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are just – so unstoppable and we've you know we watched that what was it two nights ago now and granted it was only an exhibition but 
their talent, like you could say, you could give them six months off and they would still do the same and pick up exactly where they left off. And I do think that they have motivation with the unfortunate loss of Colby Cave. Right. That's a, it's a heartfelt rallying point for the Oilers. And I saw uh, the Bruins as well, just a slight yeah. tangent. They have Colby Cave stickers on their helmet as well. So um, obviously a former member of the Oilers and Bruins who unfortunately passed away this spring, but um, it's a heartfelt rallying point. And looking on the ice for the current day Oilers, the thing that scares me about Drysaddle McDavid is that they both have that McKinnon ability to just go mm-hmm. next level and destroy a team in a series like McKinnon did last year to the Flames. So, you know, we saw what happened to Calgary when there was one guy like McKinnon on the ice. It would be terrifying to think of what it could be like if there was two guys that were that good. Uh, and I think McDavid and Drysaddle are definitely in that category. Um, number three on my list is my only Western Conference team. I don't know about you, but I found it really hard to find a Western Conference team yeah. to put in this top three. Um, so you went with the Oilers. I went with the St. Louis Blues. Now, this team has a benefit as defending Stanley Cup champion that no defending champ has really ever had before, and that's rest. So usually the Cup champion has the least amount of rest because they had a shorter summer. Um, so less time to kind of heal those bumps and bruises and just kind of, you know, relax and unwind after the stress of an NHL season. But the Blues played most of their regular season and then had four months off. So they got that, you know, four months in a row of just time to kind of hopefully relax and hopefully heal any bumps and bruises. So that's something we haven't seen a defending champion have on their side. Um, so I'm interested to see how much the Blues take advantage of it. Uh, also just, you know, Speaking from this season alone, they were on an 8-2-0 and run in their 10 games leading up to when the season wow. was paused. So they were definitely ramping things up for what should have been the start of a normal playoff in April. Um, but, I mean, they're, they still have all the key pieces, right? So yeah. um, it's hard to argue with the defending Stanley Cup champs, especially given that added benefit of rest. How about uh, number two on your list, Jess? It is the Bruins. Um, you know, I <laughs> they're so talented. Just across the board but uh you know they did just lose three to one against columbus Mm -hmm. in their exhibition um marshan left the ice with a groin injury but Mm. um he said um i just saw that um bruce cassidy said that it's nothing major but i mean we know with hockey that nothing is transparent or straightforward right i think you know their top line is incredible but a line that i'm looking forward to seeing is their third line, which is Corrali or Sean Corrali, Charlie Coyle, and Anders Bjork. The speed on that line is going to be a threat, <laughs> and they they're just going to be fantastic. And I can't wait to watch them blow everybody out of the water. Um, and I do think that, of course, last year's loss against the St. Louis Blues um, is it's their revenge tour. It's time nice. bring the cup back to Boston. <laughs> Yeah, the Bruins are actually number two on my list as well. And the thing I love about the Bruins is that they have that Stanley Cup champion from 2011 core still in place for the most part. But then they also have added a guy like David Pasternak. So they have that, you know, crazy good experience, but they also have that insane superstar youthful skill. Um, so it's the perfect blend of both. And I, it's, it's hard for me to think of honestly another team in sports that's like that um, let alone just the nhl but it's hard for me to think off the top of my head of a, of a of a champion caliber team that has the veteran leadership but also that superstar youthful next generation right behind them and then 
I think the Bruins do have something to prove as well, being the best team in the regular season by so much this regular season. And then having four months off, everyone's kind of like, okay, like, are they still the best team? Um, you know, they could use that as motivation is just to put their foot down and actually say, Hey guys, yeah, we're still here. We're still the best team. Um, don't miss us. So, um, Bruins are number two for both you and I just had number three as the Oilers. I had number three as the blues. How about our number ones are most likely to be Stanley cup contenders uh, in our opinions. Jess, why don't you take it first? Sure. So I'm going to go with the Washington capitals and they do remind me a little bit of your choice. I won't give away who your choice is, nice. but I do see a little bit of undisciplined hockey sometimes with the amount of penalties that they take but their goal scoring obviously with Alex Ovechkin is just I don't there will never be another athlete like Ovi and I will die on that hill (laughs) um you know if Braden Holtby um can stay on top of his game I know he kind of faltered a little bit right regular season um, you know, hopefully that rest has kind of rejuvenated him and gotten his butt back in gear. I think that it'll be great. And then, of course, they have um, John Carlson. Mm-hmm. Who so, was probably one of the best defensemen <laughs> in the regular season. Yeah. So I think that, you know, they have a serious chance of bringing the Cup back to Washington. I loved watching Ovechkin win the cup one time. I would love to see him do it a second time. Um, I was never, I've never been happier for an athlete than watching that guy lift the cup. So um, quickly to recap your list, you have the Oilers number three, the Bruins number two, and the Caps number one. Uh, my number one team is going to be the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I kind of talked about that motivational bulletin board material that the Bruins have. The Lightning have that, but to a multitude of 10. Like these guys, we thought the Flames were embarrassed in round one last year. The Lightning were embarrassed even that much more, um, losing to Columbus after being like by so much the best regular season team that uh, we've seen in a long, long time. So they have that motivation behind them. If they can't get hyped up for these playoffs, then they'll never be hyped up for anything in their life. Um, and they also still have all that skill and unreal talent at every key position on a hockey roster. Like it's all there um, from goalie on all the way up to the rest of the ice. Um, the lightning have all the pieces. I do love John Cooper as a coach as well. Um, I think these guys have a lot to prove these playoffs and I think they're going to take advantage of it by a wide margin. And these guys are going to be a team to keep an eye on hopefully deep into the playoffs. So uh, my top three cup contenders to recap quickly are the blues number three, the Bruins number two, and then the lightning number one. Yeah. I mean, I think that this is going to be fun. This is going to be an excellent playoff run. And I have the Oilers at number three, uh, Bruins at two and caps at at number one. Um, Also something else I didn't think about until now what are the cup celebrations going to look like? You know, like usually they go to baseball games, they have the parade, they're drinking out of it. They're partying with the cup. Right. What this is, this is an interesting question. I think what's going to happen is the on ice stuff is probably going to be all the same because it's just Mm going to be the one team on the ice. The night of celebration, I would imagine that there is a bar in Edmonton already picked out for the, cup champion and they're just going to basically have the bar to themselves for that night 
and then beyond that, I'm not sure. The parade is probably the most interesting one because um, I was in Toronto during the Raptors championship parade. I was actually producing shows for TSN uh, that day. And we had it all planned out where we have our usual three-hour shows. But because of the poor planning of it, the parade lasted like seven hours or five hours or, you know, way longer than anyone thought it would. Um, and I, you know, the sea of people that was in downtown Toronto, like it's hard to imagine that ever happening again, just given what we've gone through with COVID-19. And I actually heard, I don't know how accurate this is scientifically. So uh, apologies for not doing the appropriate research on that. But when the chiefs beat the 49ers in the Super Bowl, and uh, there was obviously a Super Bowl parade in mm-hmm. Kansas city. I I read on Twitter that if the 49ers had won that game and there was a parade in San Francisco, the coronavirus would have exploded in that area of California and probably all around the U.S. right away because right around the Super Bowl time and that Super Bowl parade time is when the first few COVID-19 cases started coming to the United States. And they started coming in San Francisco. Um, So if there was a large parade there with, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, maybe millions of people, the coronavirus would have just you know, hit the gas a lot harder. Um, again, I don't know how scientifically accurate that is, um, but I did see a few uh, verified accounts, you know, just kind of put out the question, hey guys, like what would have happened if the 49ers won? Um, I mean, that does make sense. Yeah, like the I, whole parade thing is just, I, you know, I don't know if it's a if it's a thing of the past at this point. Yeah. Um, I think what might happen is parades might just go on a hiatus for at least a couple years, who knows? Um, but, you know, I'm not sure if we'll ever see a, a million plus people congregated again like we did the raptors and countless others i know for the patriots parades there were over a million people at at every parade that's so like spoiled (laughs) it's just insane to think about that many people packing in one area in a time like this like i was watching oh my goodness i think it was like baseball highlights or something and there were fans in the stand. And I was like, oh my goodness, people without masks. <laughs> people in public places. Right. right. I mean, even looking at a photo of a concert or, or just even a, like you said, like a full sports stadium. And, you know, that's maybe tens of thousands of people. Like looking at that now and you're just like, oh goodness. Like you kind of get, I guess, the heebie-jeebies in a way. Yeah. Or it just looks strange to you now. So let alone tens of thousands, but the hundreds and thousands and millions you know, it's impossible to yeah, you never know. see it coming back. So I don't know. Like it's, I kind of, in a way, I hope it's like a team like the Bruins, they win it. So they, you know, most of the guys have kind of gone through that experience of yep. a parade and everything, and they're not missing out on too much. But if it's a team like the Flames or maybe the Jets where the core probably hasn't won a cup uh, at all, and they, they've never experienced that parade, then they would kind of miss out on, you know, it's probably one of the biggest days of their careers is parade day uh, for guys who win championships so um you know i'd feel bad for the guys who miss out on it but there is you know maybe down the road they they look back on it as winning the most unique and i guess possibly memorable championships in sports history just given all the craziness surrounding uh these playoffs absolutely we'll see some sort of documentary about it and kind of like with um, michael jordan's uh the last dance we'll get right. some sort of covid cup documentary maybe there's people like me in sports where they don't like being around lots of people and they kind of love the fact that there's no parade they're like oh sick i don't have to go hang out in front of hundreds Uh, of thousands of people i can just hang out at home and celebrate with my friends so yeah like i would be very pleased with that and like okay like i'll just hang out in my apartment and you know 
they can do like their own celebration maybe like um you know at city hall or something where or inside the stadium so people like can't get in but it's just the players right and it's closed off and i can watch comfortably from my coronavirus free house (laughs) i don't know this is a whole nother question about coronavirus and pandemic but for the markets that go deep in playoffs whether it's nba Mm -hmm. or nhl or anything like that like you know, in Toronto, they have Maple Leaf Square. Here in Calgary, we have the Red Mile down 17th Avenue where everyone congregates at bars and then eventually out into the streets after a win or anything like that. Like, how much of that is going to be happening? Like, you know, I'd imagine cities yeah. are probably preparing for it. You know, every city, probably Boston and Calgary and everywhere that has a major sporting franchise is preparing for the idea of people going to the streets to celebrate. Um, so I wonder how much of that will be happening where people are just kind of going rogue and uh, doing their own thing so there's so many questions <laughs> like Definitely. around the global pandemic playoffs so <laughs> I think it'll be interesting because you know I, I just you don't know what people are gonna do and you don't know what any of these teams are gonna do and if we even make it to September right. or <laughs> with a Stanley Cup champion right. but we never know And I think that's kind of the fun of it all right now. But coming up on tomorrow's show, it's our final episode before the Jets and Flames finally drop the puck. Sean and I remind you of our series predictions, give our final thoughts on Calgary's play-in round, and hand out our winners and losers of the week. You can follow us on Twitter at Jessica Belmosto and Sean underscore Lavery. Please be sure to subscribe and follow this podcast right now on your favorite podcast app, and you will get the latest episode of Locked on Flames as soon as they're available every single day.